Well, hello and welcome once again to Say Something Interesting, the podcast from East Lake Tri-Cities that follows up from our weekend talk and then just hopefully generally has some interesting stuff for you to kind of chew on. Uh, and uh, it's uh, hopefully it's worth 30 minutes of your time. Margo is with me as always. My name's Brent. Hey guys. And Margo uh, spoke for me this weekend because I was out of town and we kicked off a brand new series and we just... Doggone, I had a great time. Sorry this podcast, by the way, is coming to you a few days later than usual. Uh, Blame Uncle Sam. Yeah, yeah. This is, uh, Margo got one of those letters in the mail that you kind of like, at first you're like, oh, this is kind of cool. And then you like realize in the experience, you're like, oh, I don't like jury duty. I I, <laughs> I thought it would be cool to hear these stories. And then you get, and you see the process. It's kind of like watching being, you know, sausage being made. You're like, oh, not as fun. Uh, so anyway, she had some jury duty this week and uh, got that all cleared up. How'd that go, by the way, Margo? Any, any uh, thoughts on the whole judicial process? Well, our case was, I hate to say boring, because in the end, it's someone's like life that you're dealing with. Right. <laughs> like, you're not trying, boring for him. It's but, not boring for him. Right. And so like that was definitely something that helped keep me focused and accountable, is that this may seem very dry. Were but you it, hoping for like a triple homicide? Don't lie to me. A little bit. Yeah, I, you I, were. I, let's be real. I was hoping for any case that didn't involve the beaver in the park. <laughs> that was... Oh, my gosh. <laughs> If you don't know, oh, you don't want to know. <laughs> that was crazy. My mom, I can't say, like, I think it's just too inappropriate. My mom's case that she had back in her 20s was, like, so unusual that I was, like, I had high hopes. But uh, it was essentially a workman's comp disability kind of thing. And the thing that, like, made it extra dry, for lack of better terms, is that it was an appeal, which meant that there were no witnesses or anyone testifying in person. All we had was a giant, like, five-inch thick binder that the lawyers would sit and read to us for the for all the days that we were there. Yeah. So, No uh, pictures? No pictures. Oh, nothing. I, no I x-rays. No. <laughs> I need to see some broken bones, guys. <laughs> yeah. So it was, it was, oh. you really had to pay attention because yeah. otherwise it was very Charlie Brown school teacher, like, wah, 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 wah. and there's a lot of medical terms. Like there's a medical, here's my, I'm my something interesting. Yeah. What'd you learn? <laughs> there is a medical condition called radiculitis. And I'm Ooh. like, who, this poor guy is trying to say that like this injury is affecting his life and his injury is radiculitis. <laughs> like ridiculitis i'm like this this person can't that's a hard argument to make people are like that sounds like a harry potter spell yeah. that doesn't sound like something that's that's real and keeping you from being in the oh, job force man so yeah i mean uh, so we, we were in fear that like this podcast wasn't going to happen this week because yeah uh we were like i don't know when it's gonna when it's gonna work out to be able to record this thing because it usually takes us about an hour to do this and you were getting out at four and we just had some evening stuff that was just going to be conflict of of it would have to have been like a 5 a.m. get up, do this podcast, and you guys don't want to listen to us talk at 5 a.m. No. Uh, I, I don't want to listen to me I, talk. I don't want to, yeah. There'd be some things coming out of my mouth that probably aren't <laughs> worthy of recording. Anywho, uh, but then we got the text message yesterday. It all got resolved, and yes. now we're here. And yep, we got out around 5, made our deliberations, gavel fell. There's yeah. no gavel. I was when you walked out of the courthouse, you were like expecting a bunch of photographers and people like asking you for opinions and all that I'm kind of stuff. I'm not going to like... Kind of like the movies. So I was very young when O.J. Simpson was going on, but like that's always been my fear. With, oh, yeah, I'm like, like a, you think you're going three in... Three-month trial. You think you're going in for a traffic ticket complaint and you end up like your life is totally different. So totally different. So as much as it wasn't 
super and hype. They're, and they're going to make a really big movie about you basically <laughs> a few years from now it's going to go really I don't well. want to know what that courtroom sketch looks like there's so many things involved oh. so uh I th- the biggest takeaway for me the the biggest positive takeaway is that I mean this was an appeal it was workman's comp in my head I'm like why, why don't they just let the judge read over this and make a decision but the fact that they actually did say no we're going to take a bunch of people and like pull them out of their everyday lives to sit and hear this evidence and to make a decision was comforting to me because I'm like something that may seem small or trivial still got a hun- they didn't skip any testimonies there was no condensed version uh, they still took the time to to do the essentially to do the case all to present the case all over again uh, you know they're spending all that money and to me that's a comfort because if I'm ever in that position where I don't you know if something is hurting you and an appeal goes off you know that. You're gonna get your your due diligence, your due justice. So oh, to me, I do think it's interesting. interesting. You we're in a series on social justice. You get to see our justice system. That, okay, that is ironic. I like, didn't think about how that. How ironic is that? Like right up front, like this is it, man. This is a guy who. I mean, I don't know how much detail you, you can. Go I mean, into, now but, we can. We don't need to share his name. I yeah. mean, I could, but we don't. Got hurt on the job, and then all of a sudden can't find the work that to, you know. It, is, it doesn't matter the details. It was are. so. But this, like my series was on like barriers, and this man had a lot of barriers. Uh, he was Hispanic, but he was a citizen. He he became a citizen in the 70s, but he got, received no education, not even in Mexico. So he doesn't can't read. He can't write. He um, when you and everyone's like, well, just learn English. I'm like, well, that's that's when you take a language class. What do you have to be able to do? Read. and write. Yeah. I mean, this guy had everything going against him. And yet he made a living doing some of the hardest, most unappreciated jobs. He's in his 60s now. Um, and so to so me, age it was and injury and yeah. then the line of work that you're Education doing and, and then you, you know, you get hurt and you can't do all those things again. And then what do you do? What do you, you know, the only thing so. that he had that he could offer society was essentially brute strength. And let's be real mental, mental hardening to be able to do some really hard jobs. And, uh, he still had the, the drive to do those underappreciated jobs, but his, I mean, his, his physical capability was taken from him, unfortunately. And yeah. So to me, it was it was him and I have that in common in that all we have to offer is brute strength, <laughs> <laughs> just our general brute strength. I know that's what you think of when you think of when you look at me. Anyways, uh, good stuff. Anyways, good to have you back. Uh, how'd week one go? I I so I was uh, I jumped on a plane and went to the opening uh, game of the Seahawks in Denver with my buddy Seth. Had a Did great. You need time. a hug, like how? No, it was great. It was okay. a great experience. Happy to be there. Um, I was cheering very loudly. When uh, third, you know, third quarter, three fourths of the way through the game, Case Keenum threw his third pick. I was very, very loud, um, so loud that the lady next to me kindly looked at me, and we were we were egging each other back and forth. But she goes, "I'm if we lose this game, I'm going to have to slap you." <laughs> oh, Brent. <laughs> So, uh, but she was nice. She was like, she said it with a big smile on her face, and she was a couple beers deep. So, I think, I think that was <laughs> no. That makes me more scared. Maybe, <laughs> maybe. And we were right on a railing, like literally on the oh, like the. Gosh. So it was like, oh, that's nice though. There's no one in front of nobody you. Nobody in front. Oh, perfect seats. Dangerous if she got the idea that slapping would come to shoving, and then I just go flying over the side. <laughs> uh, but uh, no, we had an absolutely great time. It was so stinking hot, man. It was. I don't know if you could see it on TV, but it was like 83. I'm sweating sitting there in the sun. Those guys are running full speed with all kinds of gear on. I can't even imagine. And then the air altitude stuff. 
Um, so tough, tough game for the Hawks, but they will recover. I'm, I'm pretty sure. Tough to hear that Baldwin's out for a couple of weeks, but anywho, you, this is not a sports podcast. You did not come here to listen to that. That's okay. Uh, that's my life. But uh, I had a great time visiting him, uh, my buddy Seth. The uh, moved to Denver a few uh, years ago, now two years ago, I guess, and uh, doing some remodel stuff on a house. I got to see their house and see their boys. They're all just growing up and crazy, crazy good stuff. Um, okay. Let's talk about Sunday. I got your notes. I have I've not had a chance to listen to it yet because I didn't. I forgot to, to go on the podcast. I was waiting for it to come on the th- on the talks page, and, and I, I didn't get to go do that. So, but I do have your notes, and we talked through a few things. Um, you kicked off the series, a uh, an, an an interesting series for us coming off of like uh, the the previous one that we did, and then the in between message that I mentioned on so a series on social justice, which I know can be a little bit touchy on everything, but. I think super important, super relevant, especially if we're trying to appeal to people who aren't typically in a church who think that the church should be more about social justice than they currently are. Like, Or the church is too involved. <laughs> or it's too involved. One of the two, right? So you can go on either side of this thing. Uh, and yet, when you read the Gospels, there's no way that you can't um, you can't see Jesus taking a position. Um, it wasn't his—I uh, mean, I don't know. I, I, I don't want to say it wasn't his full mission, because when he comes and he reads the scroll from Isaiah— uh, in the in the midst of the temple, he says, you know, he reads this quotation. Um, uh, My house, or should be known as a house of prayer for all nations. That one? No, the the one. And I'm I'm talking about it a little bit on Sunday, so I don't want to go too deep into Ooh. it. Um, but preview. He he says, I, I've come to you know release uh, those in oppression to heal the blind. That this prophecy has been fulfilled in your presence today, which is a very political statement for him, right? And. Uh, and then he goes on. So, so what kind of? This is the direction I want the series to go for. For at least my part of it, um, is what kind of an understanding did he have in mind, or did the Jewish people have in mind about social justice? What's their background? Because you don't see a lot. You see a lot of actions um, taking place in Jesus and his in some of his healings of, of people with disabilities and people who've been disenfranchised in the minorities or whatever. Um, but there's not a lot of didactic teaching, meaning this is what you should do. It was. It was primarily there was an assumption that was kind of already behind the scenes. So we're going to look into the book of Amos and what kind of assumptions would have already been in place. But you had a chance to be able to talk about like a big scenario uh, for Jesus. Um, I, I figured should, if the series is called Flipping Tables, we you should probably, probably should talk touch on about that a him bit. <laughs> going to a temple and saying this isn't right. And why is that uh, representative of social justice instead of just him not not being happy with the way that the church had their refreshments set yeah. up. You know, like. And anytime I think of that, I always remember uh, a uh, either a message or a book, I can't remember, how, talking about the art of guerrilla theater um, in the ancient world and how things would be done in extreme pictures and extreme examples to try and prove a part of the point. So it it would be the art of doing something that communicates a message underneath it. So the act didn't do anything, right? It's not like the temple never operated again that day beyond it. Like he took the temples outside and lit a big fire and there's a huge bonfire and everything was broken. Yeah. It was probably something small and very disruptive in that moment, but something where like the next day things probably went back to normal. Do you know what I mean? That's the guerrilla theater that that he's talking about. There's, there's, um, there's weird stories about what God would ask some of the prophets to do in some of the old Testament stuff. (laughs) Go and bury your Uh, belt. And (laughs) yes, uh, one is, 
um, in, in Ezekiel, one that's famous for him is cook your own feces over the fire. Um, <laughs> Everyone's like, that's in the Bible? <laughs> yeah, you, you should read your Bible. It's really interesting. Uh, and what's the point of that? You know, and, and there's a message that is trying to be communicated and I, I can't remember the mess stuff. What, you what remember the cooking feces? Cooking, you don't yeah. remember that, dude. When you're 16, you're flipping through the Bible trying to stay awake in church. You find passages like that, and you're like, "All right, let's do this," you know. Uh, <laughs> but it was always like this guerrilla theater. It was uh, trying to be out there to try and prove a point. And I really think that that's the flipping tables portion of it. Um, you had a couple of examples, uh, and I don't want you to recap your message, but clarify it or summarize for us in 30 seconds or less in, in case somebody didn't listen on Sunday. What was the, the point of it? And then we can kind of jump off All from right, there. So to me, in this specific scenario, the three most clear things that Jesus is trying to set a point across about how the temple is putting unnecessary barriers in place is the temple put a barrier between them um, and foreigners, because foreigners had a tough time bringing sacrifices, being live animals, to the temple. And so they would uh, kind of leverage that by having animals for sale at the door for an exorbitant price. Um, they would uh, also take advantage of foreigners by saying that their money essentially was not welcome and they had to exchange it uh, for their appropriate money. And then once again, that would also incur a fee. Uh, then they also took advantage of um, the poor uh, because pigeons were... Uh, the most the most affordable and even then affordable should be probably in a quotation marks uh, for poor people especially new moms were poor new mothers were the number one target that would need a pigeon to sacrifice and so charging an exorbitant amount for these pigeons um, made barriers for them and then also where they set up all of this was in a part of the temple that was uh, supposed to be reserved for uh, the gentiles or people that just weren't as religiously right so they still had part in the temple that was for them um, without offending um, the more religiously right people. And so they had no space to worship or to come because it was taken up by all of this business. And so um, Jesus goes in and addresses all of this by flipping these tables and then citing a verse from Isaiah saying, you know, my temple should be, uh, uh, shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. And if you look at the whole thing, it says, you know, the sacrifices, what these people are trying to do, coming to my temple and sacrifice, like, I welcome that. Why are you putting a door in between us and them when right. I'm trying to welcome them in? And I want my temple to be known as a, as a house of prayer for all nations, not just for the nation of Israel. Um, and so uh, Jesus is making that message pretty clear. And so um, the end of the message, probably the part that <laughs> made people the most uncomfortable. And before I'm before we get there, can okay, I? Yeah, you you did an illustration about the Astoria column, taking talking yeah. about opportunistic kind of advantage, right? Um, uh, How that's a temptation for everyone to be like, ah, I can make some extra bucks out of this. If you've never been to the Astoria column, it's two hundred and something steps up to this big overview that looks over that that whole Columbia River where it meets the ocean. It's a really cool trip. Gotta go check out that Astoria column. At the top, you'll see kids throwing these little... Kids or me and my husband. <laughs> or, <laughs> yeah, adults too, I guess. These little planes that you can buy in the gift shop for like a dollar or something. Yeah, like. and the money and the, and the money go... It's not a lot of money. And the money goes to like restoration of the stuff. So it's cool. And the, and the planes are, are made of that like beech wood. So it disintegrates and they land in trees. Eco-friendly. Right. But if you don't know, there's not a lot of signs about go buy your planes over here. No. So if you just showed up, didn't know that that was happening, walked all the way up the Astoria column, and then and you see all these kids throwing planes off and then you brought your five-year-old imagine me bringing my five-year-old Grayson watching other kids throw a plane off the top of them he's going to say dad word I want a plane I want to throw a plane off and I'm going to say 
that's not going to happen because there's no way on God's green earth I'm walking down <laughs> the column and then back up and spending money. Like, sorry, dude, next time we come, five years from now, you can throw a plane off the top. Yeah. Luckily for us, we knew that that was the case, so we would go buy the things. But I totally get it. Like, you were mentioning it'd be smart for somebody to just sit up there, buy 20 of these things and sell them for $3 at the top yeah. of the thing and to get capitalized on my, the I got my swiper, credit card, right. phone app ready. Totally, whatever. You, you got Square? Yeah, absolutely. We can do that. So that's opportunistic capitalism, whatever, which is which is like kind of scamming the system, but like you're also looking at that guy going, that's pretty smart. Like we yeah. could look at, at that and say, smart guy. Um, what is happening in this scenario in the temple is not just... Somebody saying, oh, I've got extra doves. You didn't bring one. I've got one. Let me sell it to you for more. It was the fact that you couldn't, you literally couldn't bring them in. Even if you brought one from home, there was regulations on, well, we're trying to make sure we're protecting the cleanliness. These ones are raised free. These are free range pigeons. (laughs) Um, Only free range. BS, by the way, but whatever, right? Only things. So it's the same thing like I had to experience this week in going through the airport. You cannot take any liquids past there. So therefore, we can charge you $4 for a water bottle yeah. on the other side of the security gate. It's the same dang water. The racket. Can, it's, it's a total racket. And I understand a little bit like this, you know, whatever. But in that scenario, you can't bring that stuff. Like It's not physically possible to bring it past it. And, so, and they know that. So it's a system that has created this inequality thing as opposed to just somebody being smart and saying, I've got extra water bottles yeah you can do, you know if you forgot one at home you should buy one this for isn't me. an eager young lad that's mowing lawns for extra money this is they had no other options that's the that's the thing to think about because because somebody looking at it going well yeah she should have brought a pigeon from home because they're cheaper elsewhere yeah but she couldn't she she like that system didn't allow it that's the problem and so the system then benefits uh well has like power brokers in it and those power brokers want to maintain the system so that they can keep their line of income going uh, and then they, and so that's, that's, what's broken about this whole thing. I think that's just a facet of it that you need to think about and say, listen, those in power always do what it takes to keep themselves, keep that, let that line flowing. And if they had done it with a, well, we need to keep these poor widows and, and orphans in mind and make sure that we have avenues for them to be able to do the things. I get that we want to keep it clean. I get that we want a smooth system. Uh, I get that we don't want to bring animals with all kinds of potential uh, foreign parasites, diseases. In this system, we don't want that, but are we thinking about everybody in here, or are we just saying, well, this this would also benefit us financially. This sounds like a great idea. So The fact that they didn't just do it for at cost, that they did it for above and beyond is also like pretty. Yeah. Are you thinking about them in that product, because so it's not just like you, you just can't be anti-power because there's a reason that they make those decisions, but you then also have to challenge, speak to power, and say, you know, keep in mind those who don't have that ability, and and are you thinking through that, and does that affect your decisions? I think that that's kind of a, a big piece of it. Okay, so you wanted a chance to clarify. Now you can go into that last part. Terrify a little end. bit more. Yeah. So there was a slide up there, and I know. If you are a visual learner, this may have thrown you for a loop because uh, I will say my husband is one of those people who's like, did you say what I think you said? And I was like, no, I said, 
I said that, but then I clarified. He's like, I don't remember the clarification. I just remember seeing the visual slide. So there was a slide that was up there. Uh, and I'm going to quit looking at his phone while you're talking. <laughs> probably playing some Pokemon Absolutely. Go or something. Yeah. I love him, but yeah, no, I know. I'm sure he was he was paying attention. Uh, but I know if like you're like, for instance, when the teacher says follow along and you're reading something and then they say something in addition to that, you may not catch it just because your attention's on one thing. Totally valid. Uh, I was talking about. Uh, I've been reading this book about communication and preaching uh, by our me and one of me and Brent's favorite guys called Andy Stanley, and he said, "Anticipate the question." Meaning, if you are speaking to an audience, um, you need to anticipate the questions or the pushbacks that they are are working through in their mind, and you need to address it. So, when I was preparing this series, uh, talking about all these systems that were in place that were uh, essentially oppressing the poor and mothers and foreigners and all these things in my head I'm thinking uh there's gonna be people in there saying well that's like I'm not that category and I've not experienced that myself uh so that's like that I haven't seen that I haven't witnessed it that's not that's not been my experience and that's valid like I'm not saying you're a liar you have been oppressed as a poor foreign mother and you're like nope (laughs) actually no I haven't Uh, let's just stop i mean the big the big one for uh in our current culture is a lot of the attitudes towards that we've seen uh like police brutality or whatever and and people be like i don't know man all the cops i know are are like really nice right and so that's like me too like uh one of my favorite people that's amazing yeah that's great thank you for all of the cops that i know that that do their job out of respect and it's a freaking tough job man yeah there are there are many times where um, speaking of the beaver in the park, I would not want to be a par- I would not want to be a police officer. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. they deserve, uh, uh, yeah, all kinds of of uh, uh, respect in that position too. Yeah, but and appreciation. And, yeah. Uh, so that's it's very easy, and I and I can and I've thrown myself into this this boat too of seeing hearing about these these um, these horrible things, uh, and then saying, well, that's not been my experience. So so then we start to do things like, are they lying? Are they exaggerating? Did it happen? Um, and so we start to distance ourselves from the problem because if it's not been our experience and we didn't see it, right. I didn't see it myself or I didn't experience it. Then we start to either start to say their experience wasn't valid or that it didn't happen, uh, or that it's, it's much smaller than it is. And that's, that's natural. Like, I feel like that's, that's something that we all do to a certain extent. Um, but so then I transitioned and said, uh, that like, if our example is Jesus on like how we should operate, uh, the slide that was up said that Jesus was a white male. And what I meant by that was not that he was the painting that every church has in the back that actually makes him a white male, you know, with the blue eyes, uh, but that he was not, what I should have said is that he was not a racial minority because he was the same uh, race like Middle Eastern Jewish uh, as everyone as the majority of people in Jerusalem at that time so he was not a racial minority so he could not personally connect with someone that was a racial minority um, and then I said that you know he was male so he could not personally connect uh, with what in a patriarchal society yeah in a patriarchal right. so where yeah males have all the power and all the rights right. uh, he could not personally connect with what a woman might experience in that society he was not a he could personally connect he he did not have that Personal, uh, personal experience. experience. That's, yeah, that's yeah. the thing. Yeah, uh, he was because what we're celebrating is the fact that he did personally. Yes, connect. yes, yes. Yeah, uh, and he was not a foreigner. I mean, he did spend time, part of his life, as a foreigner. So maybe he can connect in that sense. But he doesn't know what it's like to be a foreigner in Jerusalem. I should say, like, a, right. 
Uh, and so, and then he also had. Uh, he was an outsider, though, in terms of from Nazareth, right? Because then yeah. you have these people going, "Oh, what, from Nazareth, You're from like, that neighborhood." Yeah. So, like, even in his culture, not only were were Jewish people a subculture from the Romans, so the, obviously the people in power are the Romans. Yes. And so we're not there. And then in the religious system, it would be, you know, the it, Levites. It, the, and... the, yeah, the Levites, and then. Even the people from who are from Jerusalem, like a, a higher pedigree, and he's not even of that. So he's not the high. He's not the highest in terms of social structure, social status. And he's also not the lowest. Like he's like in this middle feature, and he's which able I feel to, like is the majority of Americans, right? We're yeah, middle class. Where yeah. <laughs> and yeah. the other thing is that he did have going for him is he did have a platform because he did have people that followed and listened to him a lot of them didn't agree with them but when he talked people did listen um and so he had all these things going for him that that could potentially create in him that same question that we have when we hear about other things going on saying he could have said well that's not been my experience and what we see instead is he's saying even though that may have not been my experience or that's not been my experience to the extent that you're experiencing it i'm not going to let that prevent me from being a voice for you in this moment and saying that this system is one that shouldn't exist in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, I also want to throw on the caveat that obviously the things that he is, he's willing to fight for or the, the barriers that he's willing to tear down are things that shouldn't be shocking. Like if you look at w- things that God is for in the Bible, these are the things that Jesus is for. This is not anything goes like he's not saying anything that makes you feel bad is something I'm going to tear down. Uh, it's more like the, the things that are, that are morally corrupt are things that I'm not, not going to be for. I think what I respect most about the picture and we'll, this is going to come out throughout the series is that Jesus would lead with his actions mm-hmm. and, um, would when pushed into a corner, um, well, not even pushed into a corner, but he, it wasn't all talk and no action. It was primarily talk. And people would be like, hey, why? Why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? It would be like after several questions, then he would be like, because the system's broken, guys. Like, <laughs> don't you see? Like, you know, what I'm, so it, it was It was for him. I want you to see it so that when I end up saying it, like it's a, it's got some backing to it. Um, so anyways, that's, that's a big part of it. He did like Andy uh, has always had a saying that's kind of stuck with me and it'll probably come out in the series too. And I'll, I'll act like I, I made it up and I didn't, um, when it comes to helping out and being a part of the solution for some of the injustice in the world, or just being a good, uh, just, a uh, somebody who's trying to do his part or her part to bring the kingdom of heaven, um, on earth as it is in heaven, right. Is to do for one, what you wish you could do for everybody. And Jesus lived that pattern out. He would... I mean, um, he couldn't be in 20 places at once. Like, that was his reality, just like it's our reality. Remember when he shows up with that pool and heals that guy on the mat? It's as if he walked, tiptoed past 50 other lame, paralyzed people, heals one, and then walks away. Do you know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. he doesn't stand there and go, all right, next, you know, we're going to dip this. In certain circumstances, he did do that. Like, he healed masses of people, but that was not always the case. Right. But, yeah, yeah, exactly. But in in that scenario, that story stands out to me as, yeah, he could have just been like, you know, wave of the hand and everybody... The whole right side of the room all of a sudden gets up. and We've there's... seen that in some churches, right? One of those weird churches. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> uh, so anyways, that's just a, a good stuff. Well, and I, I love – I mean, this is one of the reasons we started this podcast is 
Because uh, we have 30 minutes to get something out, and we know that there's going to be gaps and holes and things. There's going to be chances for me to walk away. I constantly do this. Walk away going, oh, I wish I would have said that differently. Or... I miss this, or there's just not time for this, and that's why we—that's the whole purpose of this darn thing. And uh, so I'm glad that we got a chance to be able to dialogue about that even further on that. It's cool, cool. I'm excited to continue this uh, series. It's going to be three more weeks. We're going to be looking at the uh, Book of Amos. So if you are at home this week and are interested in getting a little head start on everybody and doing some homework, read through a little bit of that. And uh, there's a passage in Amos chapter five that's a famous social justice verse. I want to build up the history for the understanding for that verse because I think that that would have been on the minds and the like the memories of every single Jewish person, including Jesus, as he kind of did his public ministry. So, what does that mean for us? That's the point of the series. All right, uh, let's jump into our say something interesting for the week. Do you want me to go first, or you go first? You can go first. All right, I'll go first this week. Um, so tonight, which is going to be too, it's going to be too late. There's no way that we're going to be able to edit this podcast and get it out to you and you listen to it and then all of a sudden find babysitting and come to tonight's pub theology. But we are kicking off uh, our, our fall session of pub theology. We did one at the end of the spring, basically took the summer off because it's summertime, whatever. Um, we had drinks drinks. That was our, <laughs> that was our big event. Right. So, uh, but pub theology, a chance to come uh, on a Wednesday night. Uh, we throw a controversial topic on the floor, um, and everybody kind of brings a unique uh, beer to share. We do like a little sample tasting stuff, and uh, then we just talk. And it's open, uh, open invite, open dialogue, no wrong answers, I guess. I don't know how that would work. Um, so tonight, we are talking about the idea of original sin, which Ooh. is, I know, right? Super, I, and I've been reading up on this. I'm super excited. I'm like jacked. I got like so much stuff inside of me. It's like I'm ready to just... Talk like so. Are, are are people born inherently bad, or are we good and we just choose to be bad? What's the what's the and, and how much that shapes like so much of what you think about humanity and uh, the path to redemption and what it means to be good. So lots of stuff in there. There's a book I've been reading in preparation for it, and a book that I sent out to a bunch of people called Original Sin. It's a cultural history, so it's not like. Here's the breakdown. Here's just what people have believed over the years, some famous people in this way, about a guy named Alan Jacobs, who is a fantastic writer, by the way. Um, I've really been enjoying his stuff. Um, he wrote a book on uh, C.S. Lewis that uh, I just picked up as a result of reading this one, and he just he's launching a new one as well. So um, Alan Jacobs is the name. Original Sin is the book. Pub theology is what is uh, happening this evening. Uh, you're probably not going to make it to tonight. So my recommendation for you is we're going to try and do these, I think, every other month. And then we're going to offset those ones by doing some sort of a movie theology night for the next little bit. So anyways, uh, get on the Community Marketplace on the website and get on the mailing list. Join the, I think we're up to 30 people getting the emails for Pub Theology, which is awesome. I mean, not like, we're not expecting 30 people to show up tonight, but 30 people who are like, hey, if it works out with my schedule, I'd love to come and, and throw that out there. So uh, be a part of that. Come out and check it out. We'll be in the elementary theater tonight at uh, 6.30, 6.30, I think. So, Oops. all right, say something interesting. Margo, tell us something interesting in your life. Uh, there's, I mean, I've been stuck in the judicial system, so I've not, you know, you're <laughs> supposed to avoid social media and the news. And so I feel like I'm out of touch. So I, I thought I would share maybe some, some helpful inside info on one of the most beloved places of all basic white Disneyland. girls. No. Oh, come on. Even more accessible. Basic girls love Disneyland. What's, what's the most accessible place to go? Oh, forever 21. Let me keep going. Hang on. Starbucks. Closer. Pumpkin spice latte. Uh, the mall. I don't know. You're, you're totally spacing. Am I? Target. Oh, Target for sure. <laughs> oh, geez. So so fun fact. 
Uh, Margo was a home and hearth. Is that what it's called? No. Margo was a Target employee for like three, four years. Gotcha. It all blurs together that at discount. some point. Yeah, it was it was a nice discount. I bet it was. Except you end up just spending it at Target. Oh, for so. sure. <laughs> Do you want your paycheck now, or should we just give it to you in gift cards? Pretty much. Yeah. Uh, which is fine when you're in high school and college and don't have any real bills and yet. So, uh, but some fun facts. Maybe that'll help people feel like they're winning at Target. Um, some some things that you might not know about Target is that every under every little price tag on the shelf, you know, how the shelf has those built-in price tags. There is a number under that, and that number, which this isn't necessary info is called a dpci uh and essentially that number on it you'll see the price and under that you'll see a section of numbers with spaces and that tells you where exactly on the shelf it should go like aisle number 54 shelf number four shelf up from the bottom number three slot over number four like it's it's, a system dude there's no question Uh, you could walk into any target almost anywhere and once you're inside the doors it feels like I'm back in Richland or back in Canada. I mean, like, there's not much difference in any of that, like how yeah. it's all laid out. Um, and yeah. Well, what's a fun fact is say you go to the aisle and you're like, oh man, I can see that the price tag is there, but there the item is gone or there's only one and I need two. You can slip that little piece of paper out. And then if you look up, like, <laughs> so look up towards the ceiling, you'll see these red columns with question marks or something on it. They have scanners. And you can scan it, and it will tell you if it's in the back room. So you don't have to order it. You don't have oh. to. You can just send your little errand boy, being like, "I know there's four of these back there. Get this for me now." I know there's four in this store somewhere. You find them for me. Uh, other fun fact that people often forget about Target is that they do do price matching. So bring your coupons. You can even do bring you? Amazon. You said they do. On have your Amazon little thing up there. They match Amazon. They match Amazon. No. Yes, they do. Oh my word. So they can do that. They Helping also, basic white girls everywhere right And also, now. I've experienced that Amazon delivery times have not been two-day. They've been like... It's been dragging. It's, it's been a little slower. I just ordered something the other day, and they sent me the notification. I was like, hey, wait a second. That was Prime. Yeah. And, it's uh, been bad. And so Target has now... Slipping. Now they're using Google Delivery, which is a thing now. Google's gotten into the delivery business, and they guarantee the two-day delivery. And in fact, they say maximum two-day so it's not like now I feel like Amazon it's pretty much minimum today. Right. And even on the weekends, I got a like I ordered something and I think within like eight hours there was a knock on my door and yeah. there was a box from Target. Yeah. And I was like, the future is now everyone. Yeah. Um okay. from Joanna Gaines. <laughs> It was just general Target oh, stuff. Sure. Uh, other fun things to Target is uh, the end caps, which are the back of the shelves, is obviously the best place to find discounts. Yep. Always, always check the end caps. End caps, like if you just do a perimeter walk around Target, you can find the best deals. Other fun facts is your cashier is under a lot of pressure because they get rated on speed, and you can actually see their speed on the screen. They get a green. A yellow or a red. Oh man! And so, if so you when ha- they see me pull up my cash, they're always like, and the grandma with all the pennies. Me, Someone's kid. going to write a check instantly. You know, my speed score is going down. And if they get two reds within their shift, they get kicked off cashiering for a bit. Like there is no joke. Oh, and so, man. if if it's in your head that oh these cashiers are actually like hustling, 
They got to be looking at the cameras going, come on, look at this lady. She's writing a check. What <laughs> do you want me to do? <laughs> you want to write it for her? <laughs> and it's true. And that has that did happen to me a couple of times. And it was pretty frustrating. I feel like that's true at Costco, too. I feel like it's a race for them. When I go through the Costco line, I mean, I know like there's a lot of people, so they're always trying to do it. But I feel like they're looking around, like competing with other cashiers going like, do you see how fast I went through 142 items? You know what I mean? Yeah. I, 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 don't, I don't know if it is or not, but I, I would guess that they get rated on that as well. If and you then, work at Costco, then let us know if that's true. Like message us and... <laughs> Tell us, because I'm interested. Uh, another fun fact, uh, this is maybe to incur paranoia into people that may have sticky fingers, is that usually at all times there is a undercover uh, cop or store cop moseying about the aisles and he is sneaky man like the guys that worked with me at, at when i worked at target i'd be shopping and i'd just like feel breath on the back of my neck and be like how you doing and i was like oh <laughs> i'm just getting deodorant <laughs> i'm gonna see here i'm gonna see here and like one like one of the guys that we had was a big dude like six foot something like a big white and like he's a, he's sneaky he gets up on you so not only do they almost always have someone undercover on the store floor uh, but they actually have two forensic labs that uh, say they found a package that had the cd ripped out of it they're putting gloves on and they're sending that package to a lab to have it fingerprinted they're they're no joke on loss wow. prevention so don't don't, don't mess with I the don't big know how red I feel about that <laughs> uh, other fun facts if you work at target uh, you normally get 10 percent off everything except apple products because apple hates us uh, but you get 20% off fruits and vegetables. Uh, well, yeah, but like Target's produce is... Actually, it? I think it's like everything they have, it kind of reminds me of, um, whatchamacallit, Country Mercantile. Like I'm like, these are all the prettiest peaches in the bunch, and they like hand-selected them. Really? Yeah, I think everything they have is always really beautiful looking. And it's probably not local, and it's probably more expensive, but yeah. I think that everything they have is high, higher echelon. But yeah, those are some some maybe you didn't Next know that time about you go Target. to Target, it'll be just like a fresh new trip for you. It'll be awesome. And also don't hesitate. You can call Target and be like, Do you have preparation H and and they have to go and check the shelf and let you know. <laughs> so I'd like you to price match that on Amazon. You can. <laughs> Can't wait. Can't wait to try it. All right, that'll do it for uh, this week's episode of Say Something Interesting. However you found us, uh, we are glad that you are listening. Thanks for uh, doing that and uh, offering us some feedback on the socials. You can find me at Brent Johnson, J-O-H-N-S-E-N. Margo is... Adventures in Caffeine on Instagram. We would love to hear from you. Other than that, have a great week, guys. See you later.